Max info. Uh, the DRS flap did not open last lap. Keep trying. Down the main straight, the DRS flap didn't open for Max Verstappen. They've got problems with it. They've been working on this all the way up to the start of this Grand Prix. DRS did not open. Where the f DRS? Man, we can't even make a DRS work, man. Unbelievable. Max, I think you may have closed it last time around. Because I'm pressing it 50 times before it opens. Just try one button press after the curb. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Rear of the Grid. As always, I am your host, Matt, joined by Jashan. Yep, that's me. Keen to get amongst it. Listen to our other podcasts and as well, F24U, on the same Spotify channel here. It's fucking good. Banger episode this week, if I might say so myself. Got some great Natalie Portman takes. <laughs> And also joining us, I do not have any intros for my co-host uh, today, but it is Spencer Hudson. Welcome back to the show, good sir. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, I think co-host is a little bit too forward, um, but um, nevertheless, I'm happy to be here. And yeah, just keen to yeah, keen to get on with it. Gonna what about big week, fellow big week, Monaco coming up? You know, alcohol connoisseurs. Yes. Yes, I, I do. I do enjoy me some alcohol. Don't enjoy those uh, Nico Rosberg ads with the uh, oh. zero alcohol driving in a Mercedes. I mean, fair income, mate. If I was driving a Mercedes, I'd be able to drink fucking alcohol-free beer as well. <laughs> <laughs> and on this week's show, uh, we recap the pretty good Spanish Grand Prix. Uh, we take a bit of a delve into whether or not the cost cap is going to rob us from entries at future races this season. I give the boys some of the most ridiculously over-the-top hot takes for Yena Nayer. And uh, we have a look ahead to what could potentially be a very wet, but probably still really fucking boring... Monaco Grand Prix, all that and more on this, another episode of Rear of the Grid. Here we are, back for another week, this time in review of the Spanish Grand Prix, which was... A solid enough race, as um, Spanish Grand Prix standards go. It was a pretty good one uh, in the end. Definitely, you know, a few decent bits of action scattered on throughout the weekend, which is more than you usually get in Spain. Do either of you... I think you're underselling a little bit. I thought it was downright entertaining. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I think we should let the listeners know that we don't have anyone holding a gun to Matthew's head reading <laughs> maybe, a maybe, maybe it just Maybe it just hurt <laughs> that I watched most of this race live, so I was really tired, and then when I eventually faded out and left the last 20 minutes, last 20 minutes. Oh, laps, yeah, you're always, you're always going to have a drama watching them live. Yeah, when I, when I, time, yeah, when no I faded what. it out and just watched the last 20 laps the next morning, I don't know, maybe I just, it being in two bits, I've disassociated, because I've, everything I've read has said it was a really good Spanish Grand Prix, and I was like, I enjoyed it, but like, was it that? But maybe it was. 
there was some really, there was definitely some fun moments. Sounds like both of you two pretty hot on this weekend's action, but... I enjoyed it, especially because some of my, you know, my favourite characters to hate on performed pretty poorly, so I enjoyed it. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Can't, can't dispute that. That is pretty yeah. much how the universe revolves. We'll start with Jashan's favourite segment, which is ironic, considering it gets its name from his favourite driver to hate on right now. Well, second favourite driver to hate on. <laughs> second favourite, come on. Very, very ironic. Yeah, let's get into Send It to get the ball rolling today. Yeah, let's get let's get let's, let's get that ball rolling real real quick on a tiny side tangent. Um, show some love for Joe Wilfred Songer, who retired, I think, yesterday from the great sport of tennis. And great guy, very I'm entertaining player. The one with the ADHD. I just it's, it's it's important to show some respect to our great well, athletes. Well, if we're talking about that, then we've got to we've got to make a shout out to uh, Justin Thomas, who came from eight shots back in the final round to win the PGA Championship on the weekend. Yeah, good lad. Good lad. Spoilers. <laughs> Fucked up speedy. And uh, bigger shout out to uh, Miko Pereira, who blew a well, several shot lead and was eight shots ahead of Thomas at the start oh. of the round, but still did took every single interview request after after getting a double bogey to cost himself a chance at at least a playoff on the final He didn't pull a Marshawn Lynch, just um, rock up to the interviews and just like ignore people or just say no comment. No, he took time. on took on every interview question and was just open and honest Damn. about how fucking stressed he'd been for the whole Yeah, it'd be a stressful experience oh, over there in like the golf, the old world of golf. But let's get stuck in to send it. Did I send it or did I not didn't send it? Yeah, you Oh, send this! This is a segment where basically I rattle off some news headlines in the fantabulous world of F1. Matthew gets to pick one he'd like to chat about, and Spencer likewise gets to pick one he wants to chat about, depending on, you know, what really speaks to you on a spiritual level. So let's get stuck in. First up, a banger here. Drake loses more than $320,000 on Formula One Spanish Grand Prix bet. Sent. Headline number one, courtesy of news.com.au. We love to see it. Number two, courtesy of Nine's Wide World of Sports. F1 teams will be forced to skip races unless budget cap is raised, says Christian Horner. Bit of a dramatic one there. Headline number three, F1 set to group races by region in 2023 calendar reshuffle. Thanks to, I believe, that was motorsport.com. Yes, it was. And now back to (coughs) news.com.au. Not acceptable. Fans tell horror stories as packed F1 race turns into chaos. Chaos, I tell you. That's headline number four. And to finish us off, we're going over to the Guardian of all places. Red Bull fume over clone Aston Martin. Consider it sent. Fellas, I'm going to start with you, Spencer. Any of those headlines reaching out to you, what do you want to chat about? Um, I'll take um, option two, Eddie, please. Hey, so uh, the budget, the budget cap headline, courtesy of Nine's Wide World of Sports. Can Sport. I can I make one quick joke about this before Spencer actually talks about it in a much more oh, valuable manner? Debatable. So just just the way that the way that headline reads uh, is Christian Horner actually a spokesperson for the Liberal Party? No. Although I imagine, like in I, a first of his position, 
Tell me, tell me that doesn't read like the shock tactics of this election campaign though of, oh, without the budget cap, teams won't be able to compete in every single race. Vote for the Liberals. Yeah, vote Libs. Vote Horners. That's what I say. Always vote Horners. <laughs> uh, now, Spence, do you already know a bit about this topic or would you like me to delve into some detail for you? Um, oh, you can go on some, into some detail, but I, I have done a little bit of reading on this uh, very topic, yes. Oh, splendid. So basically, the competition's current cost cap, it's just under $200 million. Uh, down five from last year with another $5 million to be shed from 2023 onwards as the sport looks to kind of downsize spending and make everything a bit more even for everyone on their three-year glide path. Something we've talked about in the past is quite a positive thing. But Christian Horner reckons that seven of the teams would probably need to miss the last four races to come within the cap this year. Uh, specifically guys in the middle of the field who are struggling with inflationary issues. Let's talk Haas, Williams, these guys who don't necessarily have the funds of a Red Bull or a Mercedes. That kind of thing. Do you boys think there's any credence to these claims? Or is he just blowing smoke up our asses? Well, he's, he's blowing smoke up the old ass, is what he's doing. Mm. Oh, big smoke call. And of course he is, right? Because Red Bull have had to sit around for the last seven years to watch Mercedes just keep racking up first in the constructors and being able to spend as much money as they possibly want. Um, but I like the, in the article as well, because it was, it was posted across a fair few, yep. they speak about... You know, oh, how many teams are going to have to, you know, not just going to be the top teams, but like, you know, mid midfield teams as well, like he predicts up to seven. That's that's a lie. It's, okay. it's just a blatant lie because of the most recent data that I could find, the the bottom five teams being Aston Martin, Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo, Williams and Haas, all spent under $200 million in... 2019, which is below the current budget cap. And then you have McLaren and Alpine who both spent around 280 mil. And then you have the big boys that spent 445 million at the low end to 484 at the high, which was Mercedes. It's just, he's just having a fucking sook and he's just throwing his rattle out of the cot because like they... The, you can already see this year, like, the issues that this cost cap is having on teams. Like, Mercedes have had to deal with a lot of issues getting their aero setups correct because, of course, part of the budget cap as well is less time in the aero tunnel. And then on top of with Ferrari and Red Bull, like, Red Bull have been having issues with their powertrain and Ferrari most recently having issues with theirs as well. And ultimately, like, this is what... This is the, the pro-con of it, right? Is that you can't just throw tens of millions of dollars at it to get an engine to go as fast as possible at the risk of it becoming unreliable. You need cars to be reliable. And that's the racing that you want to see. Like, they they talk about when Mercedes have this massive dominance, how are the in order to get more fans, the sport needs to be fair, like there needs to be competition, there needs to be racing. And then the moment that now they're in the front spot, they all of a sudden want to be spending more money. It's bullshit. Yeah, so you're, you're saying that, that Horn is sad that he won't get to have his kind of era of dominance on top of the sport in the same way that Mercedes did. Yeah, and he's posturing because you watch mm. now, like the next few races, you'll have Toto come out, you'll have um, Matia come out as well, and then probably even Zach Brown also. 
and also agree that like it's unfair like the treatment that they've been given but this is these are the growing pains that come with this is that like if you are disappointed with how much money you're being able to spend and how much time you have to prep your car finish lower in the championship that's fair because that's how you do it now like and it's good to see all the cars that are up there or thereabouts like pretty much every single team this year has been somewhat competitive in most of if not all the races above their expectation like you look at williams with albon haas have been qualifying really well and a few good finishes to start the year Yep. Alfa Romeo, well, one of their drivers is doing really well, the other not so much. <laughs> Alfa have had some bad luck more than anything. And then Aston Martin, they seem to be the weirdest one out of the group because they just seem to keep falling on their face. But it's it's been good racing. The, 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 even Aston Martin are on a kind of bit of an uptick in form recently. I'm oh, saying. definitely. And I think it's more because, day. and that's even it as well, right, is that they finished around the midfield last year. So all those teams below them got way more time to prep their cars and set them up. And you're seeing that now so i think and it's it's good because like the i've almost started to not hate on ferrari but i just i want i want racing that is close and competitive and like i don't like it if any car is just like running away with the lead but again that's that's the nature of the business is that you're meant to nail the strategy you're meant to nail the regs so yeah i think horner should just keep his mouth shut because you can see what they're doing they're just trying to make it so that you know they delay the budgets going down for a little bit more and maybe ultimately in the long term that is the right thing to do i don't know but i think that it's just like if red bull had a much better start to the season and it didn't have reliability issues i don't think he would have like hit this button as early as he did it's fair it's interesting because a lot of the teams that you think he'd be referring to namely alpha romeo alpine haas and williams all these teams voted against a proposal for an inflationary adjustment. So they're basically, they've, they've officially gone against what he's saying here. And Omar Staff now even came out and said, look, uh, rather than just adding on more money, just just set your budget better. <laughs> you know, if freight costs go up by a certain amount, then okay, move those funds around and just sort it out on your end rather than complaining. Which is a... Uh... Yeah. And, like, if they are doing that, like, in one of those headlines, like, the proposal to, like, group them into regions, maybe mm. that's part of the reason as well. Like, that would cut down Absolutely. on travel costs by a heap. It will, yes. Wow. Way to just pull the rug out. Is that the uh, headline that you were going to look uh, look for there, Matt? I think it was. I would just say, I would just say to, to go back against Otmau South now, though, I would argue kind of logically if freight costs have increased... And that, because of whatever reasons, that is a logical reason for the budget cap to like. There's got to be a natural inflation with mm-hmm. these things, and the in the same way that logically, you know, minimum wages and how much people are paid should, in theory, increase linearly with the cost of living. Oh, and you'd, like you'd say you should say like if if shipping, but it needs it, that's the thing. It needs to be. I don't know how much Horner's wanting to add on, but if if freight costs have gone up by three percent and then you work it out maybe the budget cap needs to go up by one percent or whatever and that would bring in the requisite funds to cover the fact that freight costs have gone up but like and you'd have to think it would have the right? fact that, yeah all these backmarket teams voted for it yeah you, because you the, the so. tires like, the tires like are bigger now in any other sport, the cars are like, heavier that's burning more fuel carting those things across yeah so yeah and that's <laughs> and that's and i'm happy for that to be 
factored out of the cost cap. You know what I mean? Like non-negotiables in terms of getting your team over there and all that sort of stuff should be a separate cap. Like there should be a cap that is like decided on by all the teams and the FIA that this year we need to spend this much amount of money just to make the season go in order to get our team, our cars to the track 23 times a year. This is how much money we need to spend. Cut that out of the equation and then focus on that because right there, like, yeah, the inflation does have to happen. But then also to, like, again, to Horner's point is that you can't bitch about it because now all you're arguing about is things that are to give you a competitive advantage. Some good chat here, fellas. We love to see it. We love to see it. But, um, Matt, yes. Is there a headline you'd yes. like to? Uh... I will. I will. I will take that calendar one simply because I can't be asked to pretend like I understand the finer points of F one car design. <laughs> uh, and the other two were pretty garbage headlines. Well, so, well, well. Okay, the fact uh, that there were people this... fainting at the Spanish Grand Prix is not ideal. <laughs> I didn't know Where's what it was. Spray? I've not fucking read the article. It's it's <laughs> Europe. It's Europe. It's where it's Europe. It's hot. It happens. Drink more water. Drink more water and wear sunscreen. Is the wear a hat. Okay. Wear a hat. <laughs> First day in the I did look like it was fucking brutal. It is. It is the one big thing that gets me with motorsport, and that is like you just expected to sit in the fucking sun for a whole day, yeah. and it's just like oh. Like, when I fucking go to the, when I go to the, you know, the park cricket, you go and fucking sit under a nice yeah. tree. You don't just sit, you know. Nah, not for, not for me. But yeah, no, I will go for, yes, this calendar reshuffle. Okay. So the headline, maybe, I think the headline kind of reads more like, that. would almost be like blocks, like we do all the Asian races, all the Middle Eastern races. But really, so what this is basically is they sort of talked in a bid to, yeah, bring down freight costs and just make things look mm-hmm. like that. Of the non-European, so the flyaway rounds, it will just have a much bigger focus of grouping them together and, like, logically grouping them together. So, so, so like, something like this year, we've literally seen we had a race in what... Um, where was round four of the championship? Where was it? Oh, yeah, Australia. Wherever it was. Is that not Australia? No, that was round three. Ah, so the one after Australia. Whatever was between Australia and Miami. Oh, Imola. Yeah, so we had a we had a race in Europe. Followed. Oh, that's the thing. We had two races in the Middle East. Yep. That's all well and good. Followed by a gap, and then just a random fly away to Australia all by itself. Bit of a break. Come back to Europe, then fly away to Miami all by itself in America. Yep. Then come back and we're back into a European stint. It's just not logic. As the teams are saying, and that like the drivers and that, it's awful flying all the way to Australia just to be there for one weekend and then come and- back. And, and they go to Canada after So, yeah, logical Baku. thing. So, they're talking such things. Obviously, I mean, uh, what was it? Bahrain and Jeddah were already grouped together this year, and that would likely stay at the start of the calendar. When Qatar comes in, they're talking have that group with Abu Dhabi towards the end of the season. Some other ones they've spoken on would be... So, also, later this season, we have Baku and Montreal as back not back. just back-to-back rounds, but, like, a, literally a doubleheader. Yeah. That is consecutive weekends. The Middle East and fucking Canada, which is just stupid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so other other sort of pairings they're talking. Baku possibly put in in a little group, so maybe a triple header weekend with Shanghai and Suzuka, or even if you have a week off, the teams can always that. But you can always fly your equipment to the next Grand Prix ready, and just move the personnel around. Um, Miami would pair with Montreal possibly, so one of those will have to move its time slot a little bit, but that's fine. And that not mentioned here is Australia, but I was thinking logically. I think you probably pair you 
you move one of them, either one of them moves to the start, or you move Australia back to the middle of the season. Pair it with Singapore. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, we used to be paired with we used to be paired with Malaysia as like consecutive weekends to open the calendar before round three in Bahrain, and it was like you that, then you halfway back to Bahrain, then you're back in Europe, or just us and Bahrain, and you start off in Australia, you fly halfway back to Bahrain, then you're back to Europe. But yeah, um, yeah, I just think this. It makes it makes sense. If you're gonna have a flyaway round, you should try and have two flyaway rounds, probably in consecutive weekends. Even then, maybe not consecutive weekends. Close enough that at the very least, beyond particular parts, the bulk of all your stuff that is like race day stuff can just be should be able to just be shipped ahead to the next race. You're not shipping it as far. You're not bringing it all the way back to base to buy it back out again. And that, yeah, saved in fuel costs, saved in the transport, logistics, and everything. It just yeah, just it makes, makes sense, sense and would be much more environmentally yes. friendly. And that, and like, I don't think it will detriment the sport at all, really, because like, you know, I mean, that's the thing. I'm not even too tied to the idea of like, oh, you can't move something like Monaco. It's always at the end of, and maybe that's one because it's just sort of this thing, Monaco, and um, the Indy 500 just always exist on that same final weekend of May, and that is just kind of one of those things in most sport. But like, for the most part, other than that, beyond the only the only time where it really matters what time of year a race takes place is if that will bring in accurate climate conditions. Like, you don't want to probably be doing a race in the right in the middle of the Middle Eastern summer. Although, if it's a night race, maybe it's not as bad. And the other thing is the Asian races, trying to avoid peak of, like, monsoon season, because there's I've definitely had plenty of weekend I watched uh, races, particularly in Malaysia, but as well at times in uh, Suzuka and Shanghai. Just wasn't much racing for the it's weekend. A little bit wet, it just was it? Fucking pissed down, rained the whole time. A little bit sparse. But yeah, beyond those things, and you can figure it out. Yeah, it just it, it makes sense. Pair up races and stuff like that. And even if it was bigger blocks, even if you had all the Asian races together in like one stint for five, six straight rounds or something. And so personnel, as I said, personnel can come backwards and forwards, maybe. But at the very least, you're keeping the freight just moving from one destination to the next beyond, like, bits that need to be flown back for repairs or yes. whatever. Because freight costs um, have increased yeah, it just makes quite, sense. quite substantially, so it's, it's something they need to address. And the only other thing that would present an obstacle is obviously organising new dates with race promoters and... <clears throat> track owners, etc. But um, I'm sure the FIA have enough pull to sort that out and make it happen. But yeah, it makes sense all around, Here's doesn't a crazy it? Idea. Here's a crazy idea that can solve that. You pay the track story <laughs> instead of the other way around. I don't think the FIA will that's ever do that, mate. I don't think they will ever be doing that. I think that. that's FOM more so than the FIA. <sighs> Dear yeah. me. Maybe not. But yeah. But yes. I've got no, uh, no kind of alternate thoughts there. Just kind of nailed it. Do we... Can I... I, do, I would so. like to chat about, like, do we think Aston Martin have copied Red Bull just... Well, I was, about, I was about to throw us to that. It is yes, worth talking about, talk about, even it. if it is it goes against the rules of the segment. It doesn't really matter, does it? Is this a green Red Bull? The green Bull, or is it a bunch of bullshit? No, because it was a shit car this weekend. It was fucking slow. Not like slow, slow. Not like slow, slow. But it wasn't this. This. If we can want to draw a comparison to the last time they did this, the last time they did this, they briefly flirted with being the second best car on the grid. They were still firmly in the midfield, and it was the mid of the midfield. So, like... Top of the midfield. I mean, they've maybe tried to... They've maybe tried to replicate 
some of the bits and pieces, but like, it's not a green Red Bull. And realistically, is there anything that says you can't see what a team is? This happens all the time. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's crazy how similar they made it, but like, whenever a team comes out with a brand new thing, if it's external and you can see it, when fucking Braun brought in their bloody. Whichever one it was, either the double rear diffuser or the blown rear diffuser. I can't remember which one they had in the 2009 car. By the end of the season, everyone was running one because Braun rocked up at that first race in Australia, blew the field away, and everyone was like, fuck, this thing's really good. We should try and make that too. Yeah. So, Even I last mean, season, when Red Bull got done elements, for that rear wing, poorly. that flappy rear wing, and they got done for it, I think it was about 10 races or so later, Mercedes got done for the exact same thing. So yeah, it happens a lot. I don't know if you agree, Spencer. Do you uh, share these thoughts? It's just a load of shit. <laughs> like, the cars look different this year. I understand that. Fair enough. But it's just, like Matt said, like, they're, they're F1 cars. Like, at the end of the day, like, you, every single team does it. Every single driver does it. Like, you look in the, like, the season four of Drive to Survive, and Lewis is, like, feeding back information to how different the Red Bull diffuser looks compared to theirs and things to change. Like it's it's a tale as old as time. Like you you find that you find a team that's doing something, you either copy it or you get it. You complain to the FIA and you claim that it's going outside the regulations. Yeah, there you go. And it's the green Load ball for fuck's sake, not the green red ball. You are uh, sorry. Yeah, my bad. My bad. <laughs> I do like that. Much like it was Greensland, not Greenland. Just you're not very good with things with the color green. Uh, are you? I, I hate the environment. I cannot wait for the Liberals to get back into power. That's fair. <coughs> Understandable. Understandable. <laughs> uh, let's move things on to the race weekend itself. Yes, let's qualifying. Which I allegedly watched. I think Spencer allegedly watched it in some capacity as well, maybe? I did indeed, yes. You did indeed, Strong. good man, good man. Well, you um, both know I that cannot... I didn't, so take it away. <laughs> yes, well, no surprises there. I cannot tell you too much about it other than that Leclerc was fast. That's the main <laughs> takeaway I had from qualifying. Bro. Um. I don't think there was anything from memory too, like, chaotic. Like, no one crashed out or had mechanicals or anything in this. I F saw notably. headlines that this was Leclerc's arguably, like, his best qualifying session ever. In his oh, career. it was it was one hell. I mean, he was almost, he was over three tenths up on Max. It was a fucking hell of a lap. Jesus. He was the only one in the 18s. Uh, notably, Alonso uh, bowed out of... Uh, Q1, um, just didn't seem to have that pace in qualifying trim on the Alpine. Uh, we lost both half of Tauri's. Lando Norris, who was battling illness, which we came, eventually came to learn was tonsillitis all weekend. Esteban Ocon yes. and Pierre, uh, sorry, Joe Guan Yu in Q2. Uh, notably, that meant we had both horses in Q3 for the first time in God knows how long. Is that Mick's uh, first trip to Q3? Possibly. Daniel Ricciardo. Yes. Uh, I, I feel like it would be because he's not made it this year yet. Because yeah, and he definitely wouldn't have last year. So yes, yes, it is. Beautiful. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo out qualifying Lando, which is a bit of a rarity. <laughs> and we saw the Mercedes. Lando did have a lap fucking yes for um yes track limits by like fucking like not even a bee's dick. It was like 
millimeters. Yes, you're right. Because I do remember that because obviously when I was watching qualifying, I had already uh, forgotten to stay off Instagram and had seen that both horses had made Q3 and I was watching the session and I was trying to be like, oh, who's not going to get through? And I watched Ricardo jump up ahead of Mick and put Mick to P10 and I was like, oh, is... And then I watched Lando jump up ahead of him too and Mick was in P11 and I was like, this makes no sense. Someone's in trouble here and then sure enough... Bloody Crofty goes, oh, oh, do you see it? Lando Norris's lap time has been disqualified for exceeding track limits. And I was like, ah, oh, you hate to see it. You hate to see it indeed. The other probably notable thing would be that the Mercedes certainly was, looked like it was showing a bit more pace this weekend. George Russell was able to qualify P4, Lewis Hamilton P6, uh, Sergio Perez between the two of them. So they outqualified a Red Bull. And both were within half a second of Max, which is a lot better than they have been looking all season long. Oh, yeah. So uh, these new bits that they've brought... Because Mercedes did bring up grades this weekend, did they not? Yes, they did. For the third uh, week, They the third race, right? are working, which we'll get to more later. But, yeah, so Leclerc, Paul, Max Second, Sainz, Russell, Perez, Hamilton, Bottas, Magnussen, Ricardo, and Schumacher, your top ten. Anything else you think I'm missing from qualifying, Spencer? I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, Aston Martin is still shit. <laughs> Um, Daniel Ricciardo is a fucking passenger. <laughs> and for whatever reason, Carlos just can't quite get the fucking... get his nose in there. It, it's just, it's... You, watching any qualifying session, Carlos will put in an awesome lap. And then Charles will not only beat that lap, he'll beat it by like a quarter of a second. I've been right the entire time. time. Charles has the X factor that Carlos just does not. Carlos is a second driver. He is a Giancarlo well, Fisichella. It is we'll get confirmed. to it, but uh, mate, if you've been right about this, there it's very much a case of there's a first time for everything. Oh. It would possibly be your only correct take so far in the history of this podcast. I mean, uh, I'm still right re- regarding Mick Schumacher for now. I mean, uh, until he proves me otherwise, uh, I am disproven. Uh, moving on to the race. And as we said, it was an eventful one. We'll give you a quick rundown and then we'll sort of delve into it a bit deeper, um, sort of moment by moment. Leclerc got the start he needed, headed off and had that lead. And to be perfectly honest with you, had the race won very quickly. He was just in a different league this weekend in terms of pace he was a good 14 right up seconds until up when what happened happened, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. We also had a couple of moments here where, so yes, Carlos Sainz would become uh, the second man of three for the weekend following after Yuri Vips to just lose the rear end at the turn four hairpin and spin off. He would not do quite as good of a job of Vips, who completely beached the car, but he would do a much better job of doing a full-on spin and dropping a bundle of spots than the next man to do it, which was Max Verstappen, who annoyingly, because he's Max Verstappen and has all the talent in the world, only half spun it and dropped back like two spots, but it pulled him miles away from Leclerc, who, yes, as we said, was running with a comfortable 14-second lead when his car stopped working. Yeah. Which was a real fucking bummer. Because, yeah, he, he had that race one. He was just that. This shockingly meant the battle was... Oh, actually, I should be said as well. Lap one, uh, tangle between Hamilton and Magnussen, which dropped both of them to the very back of the pack. What we had with all of this transpired, and in terms of various pitch strategies between a three or two stop kind of thing, or possibly someone even going for the one stop. Also, 
I don't know whether you guys all agree, but I think probably the highlight of the race, and possibly even the season so far, was when Perez ran really long that first stint. The radio message from George's <laughs> engineer to George, where he just goes, yeah, so uh, George, we uh, think Sergio might be trying to uh, one-stop, and George just gone, blimey. And that was all that was said. One of the funnier moments so far this season. But what all this shook out to is um, George Russell was in the lead of this race. And he he held it for a while. Like he was, it felt it did it feel inevitable that eventually the Red Bulls would find a way past him. But he gave them a really good fight to maintain that lead, and obviously that led to a little bit of infighting at the Red Bull camp. Uh, Simultaneous to this, we had infighting is a bit hyperbolic. I don't think it was necessarily infighting. Just a little bit of. I think there's some warm temperature leading to some warm warm Uh, tempers. Yeah, whilst this was going on, we had Lewis Hamilton carving his way back up through the field. Carlos Sainz also doing a good job to recover from his earlier mistake. Um, and towards the end, we had Mick Schumacher just uh, once again slipping backwards, which I think I need to check, but I think Mick only was on a two-stop strategy for most of the race, which was definitely the wrong way to go. But, yeah, disappointing from all the parties involved there making that wrong strategy call. Battery Bottas also went on that, and he was very unhappy to be on that two-stop strategy. Uh, in the end, it shook out that Verstappen won the race ahead of Perez. Russell picking up another great finish with a podium. Uh, Sainz fourth, Hamilton fifth, and then Bottas, Ocon, Norris, Alonso, and Yuki Tsunoda bringing up the points. Now, to delve into this deeper, I think uh, we haven't done it for a while, but uh, would you boys be up for a little spot of uh, yeah, nah, or nah, yeah? Yeah, mate, yeah, nah, nah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, nah, 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 yeah, nah, nah, yeah. Oh, nah, nah. Yeah, nah, nah, it's... Yeah, nah, nah. What do you mean, yeah, nah? Oh! <laughs> what a wind-up, what a send. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I'm all All, all right. It. Well, I've got five, five potential sort of takes for you guys to get an opinion on. I'll give two to each of you and then one which I'll sort of throw at both of yours. So, uh, Jashan, I'll start off by uh, throwing one to you. So, this weekend, we obviously saw Mercedes pace drastically improved what we had seen from this season. Obviously, Russell's been grinding out these results every week, but he was much, much racier in terms of the overall pace this weekend. And we saw Hamilton, after the contact with Magnussen, launched him all the way to the back of the grid, pull off uh, a vintage Hamilton performance for the first time this season, which certainly feels a little bit ominous. So, (laughs) Ominous is a good show. My question to you, Jashan, is, Yena or Nah, yeah, with this turnaround and form we saw this week and how good Hamilton's drive looked, is Lewis Hamilton now actually the favourite to win the Monaco Grand Prix this weekend? (laughs) Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah, come on, that, that, that's a bit of a take. Look, Hamilton looked uh, tasty. He looked very tasty. That was an impressive drive. Uh, if Were it not for Kevin Magnussen and himself, it was just a racing incident. No need to blame Magnussen for anything untoward. There was nothing untoward there whatsoever. Opening lap, bit of a coming together. It was unfortunate, but it is what it is. Toto Wolff has said that he thinks Lewis Hamilton would have been driving for the win if that contact didn't come into play. 
sure, but only if Charles Leclerc, you know, his engine does what it did. Uh, I think yes. regardless of how fast Hamilton is, Charles Leclerc is still far and away the fastest man on track. And Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are still, you know, right there. Like, no matter how fast the Mercedes looked, I think they gained about half a second on the field with these upgrades. I don't think... You saw both Red Bulls pass George Russell eventually. So the Red Bull has still got a little that, bit more that, to that it was, than that. That was with the straight line pace at the end of the straight. You can't do that in Monaco. This is true. This is true. But Red Bull also both... They qualified above the Mercedes on average in Spain. So, you know, qualifying is, is crucial in Monaco, as we know. But I still think Charles Leclerc is a favourite, regardless of any other improvements in form for Mercedes and, and how good the Red Bull looks in a straight line. So, yeah, nah, for me. But it's getting it's getting there. It's getting there. Any any disagreement from you, Spencer? Boys, 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 boys. The one thing Mercedes has struggled with all year is tyre temps. It was fucking boiling hot. It was like 45 degree track mm. temp. So I'm not buying into any of this fucking... Lewis Hamilton being the favourite to win Monaco, which I remind you is predicted to rain on the Sunday. Um, so, looking forward to that. Um, oh, hello. Oh, sign me up. It's not like it's suddenly better in the wet. And it's just shit. Yeah, like wet. it's like if if the races can continue to be hot, then I think Mercedes can be competitive, but they still haven't proven anything and also like yeah lewis did well like carving up through the field i get that but also on top of that it was the first real race that we've had where like tires were a very big issue in terms of like all the drivers having to like when was the last time we like seriously considered a three stop being a good strategy without a safety car and yeah i'd I think the Mercedes still is just fighting an uphill battle, and ultimately they'll probably still be third in the constructors by the end of the year. But the only thing that I can say for them so far is that their reliability compared to the top two teams has been good. That's it, because I think there's an argument to be had that they've got the best driver lineup as well. Because Hamilton passed signs very fucking easily, and were it not for that water leak, he would have retained P4. Oh, yeah, in terms of the consistency, because we know that Lewis has just been struggling mightily with the car. If George Russell is the number two, which he is, that's the best number two on the grid. Because, again, Checo has been yep. solid, but, like, Checo just doesn't have that... Like, you can already see it. Like, obviously, they had the team waters as well. Like, you lose that bit of magic dust once you know and you're resigned to the fact that you're the number two driver. And I think Carlos is starting to realise that as well because he's not driving with any type of confidence at the moment. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. But I still think that just over the course of the year, like the Mercedes, like if all, all of those six cars get good running, it'll be the Ferraris and the Red Bulls in the top four more, more times. The Mercedes aren't that far behind in the constructors though. Like they're still very much within, you know, thanks largely to George Russell. Yeah, because they're just they're, chipping they're away right at there. it. They just keep chipping. Yeah. So you don't think they're a shout to maybe, you know, come on later in the season and, and be in that conversation? No, just because I don't see them getting many one, like, first or seconds. And, like, mm -hmm. those that's where the fucking 
that's where the honey's made. Like then they're, they're not going to have too many races this year where they're going to get 35 to 37 points like they previously have. Okay. But who knows? Maybe if this cost cap does come in, maybe there'll be a race where the Red Bulls and the Ferraris yeah. don't start. Yeah, yeah. And with uh, <clears throat> less porpoising, you never know. You never know. All right. Late on us, Matt. All right. Moving it on. Uh, Spencer, now I need to give you a little bit of context as to the overall sort of theme of this thing. But a recent yeah, thing no. I've seen going around in uh, <laughs> social social media, and I discussed it with Jashan, so he'll he'll catch him pretty quickly on our F2 podcast yesterday. But I've seen a few people doing uh, these like top ten lists, not in necessarily the sense of like a actual like like ten ten greatest X of all time, but it's not like the actual 10 that. So I'll give you an example in terms of, we were, I was doing a list of like the 10 worst Formula One drivers of all time and that, and I'll give you what my top three. So at number three, it would be any established Red Bull driver, the season that a promising young talent turns up. Number two would be Roman Grosjean approaching turn one at Spa. <laughs> and the number one worst Formula One driver of all time would be Charles Leclerc on the streets of Monaco. So if that gives you an idea of how these lists work, so it's like particular like element specific moments of a driver's career grading out like the 10 best or something, or 10 worst. So my question to you is this. Uh, so this season so far, Valtteri Bottas has finished sixth, retired due to a mechanical fault, eighth, fifth, seventh, and sixth. He has all bar, I think, one of, what are they, Alfa Romeo's points in the Constructors' Championship, which is 39. I believe he has 38 of them. He does indeed. He has looked very good. He's had a couple of weekends where he's been legitimately mixing it up with the likes of the Mercedes uh, and, at times, an out-of-position Carlos Sainz or Sergio Perez. So, Spencer, yeah, nah, or nah, yeah... Midfield Bottas is one of the five greatest F1 drivers of all time. <laughs> the greatest. <clears throat> yeah. Nah, yeah. Oh. Nah, yeah to that one, buddy. Yes! Yes! Bruh. <laughs> okay, oh, I didn't see him drive for Williams, but like, that, surely that's a bit of a fat call. Mate, this man was consistently podium him in that Williams. The fact he didn't win a race in it was kind of bizarre when you look back at that period. Hey, man, you just got to look at the the two guys that are driving the same piece of machinery. Yeah, it was always a debutant. I mean, Gasly was destroying Tsunoda last season, but now in Tsunoda's second season, Yuki is out driving Pierre Gasly uh, for now. Yuki Tsunoda also started his career with points. As did Joe. I think Joe got a point in his first race and it hasn't scored since. Bad bullshit. Yeah, that's fact. Nah, I call bullshit. I'm almost certain that Joe. You don't like. I'm almost certain that Joe scored um, in Bahrain and then hasn't scored since then. There's been a few DNFs, mind you, but he's a rookie. Joe's had a lot of reliability issues, and he seems a bit miffed off about. He's a bit miffed from what I've seen. He's quite miffed. But like Bottas is out driving a rookie. That can't be your your. Uh, I guess, category. I think he's legitimate. I know this, Alfred, but, like, he's not just out-driving Joe. He is, like, light years ahead. It's not like Joe is regularly fringing on the points with real raw consistency. 
and Bottas is coming home sixth. Bottas is coming home sixth, and Joe's looking more like a 14th mm. kind of place driver. So he is comfortably overdriving the car. Like, it's not like you can comfortably go, oh, the Alfa Romeo is definitely the fourth best car on the grid. Yet, I would say that Bottas has easily been the best driver, not in one of the big three teams. Oh, he's been fucking superb. He the two. He has gone back to his case. He the two! Midfield, midfield Bottas is a top five driver of all time. Mercedes Bottas is like, I don't know, 67th or something. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because, like, he was was Uh, genuinely a world beater at Williams. Yeah, I mean... He's the. I mean, you know, it's a knock on him, but he should have won a race um, during that Williams period. Well, obviously, Williams were a much better car than they were now, but like Bottas was up there and that easily. Yeah, regular podiums, definite top fives. Had Williams in the battle for you know P two, P three, and the constructors at times. Moving to Ferrari, oh, yes. so obviously, even ignoring. Carlos Sainz's oh. struggle. So after that great start in the first three races, Leclerc won. Well, Vettel DNF'd and Leclerc won. Then Vettel was able to... Sorry, Vettel. Verstappen. Then Verstappen was able to finish and win. Leclerc came P2. Verstappen DNF'd again. Leclerc won. He had a pretty much a, what was it, two Grand Prix lead. Over the course of the next three Grand Prix, that lap lead has dwindled to the point that Verstappen, I believe... Now yep. leads the world three championship ago, by six points. Three races points. ago, Verstappen was 46 points behind Charles Leclerc, and now he leads by six points. So my question to you is, Jashan, yeah, nah, or nah, yeah? It's only six races into the world championship season, but Ferrari and Leclerc have already blown their chance at being the world champions this year. Yeah, nah. That's the most egregious bit of hyperbole I've ever heard in my entire life. I said this earlier this season. Every team will have their run of bad luck and unfortunate situation. Okay, Charles Leclerc has now had his had a power unit issue. That's their first kind of bit of really bad reliability problems for any of the Ferrari. Oh, actually, yeah, Joe's Joe's Alfa Romeo as well. But for most of these Ferrari engines cars they've been pretty reliable up until this moment science had his two dnfs in a row which were you know caused by unfortunate little crashes there and also this spin in spain which cost them points i don't think this is a mark of bad form or anything like that it's just a matter of yeah every time every team has their run of bad luck and they also proved this weekend that they are still Mm -hmm. running the fastest car with the fastest driver in leclerc he was dominating this race before that PU uh, issue came into play. So they sort that out. They're perfectly fine. And I think they're very much... I'd still pick them as the favorite. Oh, God. See, this is an issue because I, I picked Red Bull to start off the season and now you've got me arguing against them. Fuck. That's how I get you. You fucking... You saucy cunt. God damn it. I would still... <clears throat> If I took my personal biases out and I would look at it objectively, I'd still think Ferrari should be the uh, the odd makers favorites, bet makers favorites. The, yeah, the bookies favorites. favorites. I'd still pin Ferrari as the bookies favorites to come home first at the end of the season. So yeah, nah. Oh, fair enough. Uh, any any disagreement there, Spencer? Nah, he's for once he's pretty on the ball. <laughs> for once. 
For that's once! Fair, that's fair. But that's a great... Well, I will, before that allows me to have a great segue, um, I will uh, just put my reasoning in here. I actually tend to agree as well. My thought process, though, is... I... I mean, I know this week and that, but I've still got the feeling... I actually think that what I've seen of this season, when it's working over the over the wider array of tracks, I think the Red Bull has the best car. So the car most best designed for being able to win because it has the straight line speed to be able to overtake the mm-hmm. Ferrari and to not be able to be overtaken by the Ferrari once it gets in front. So as long as Verstappen gets in front of Leclerc at some point, he will win every Grand Prix from that point if he finishes. And I just have a bit of a feeling. I'm like, I don't know. Have they got those early season hiccups with the two DNFs in the first two races out of the way? And if they go on a big string of finishing or, well, you know, not DNFing races, mm. we could be looking at a sizable Verstappen lead before we know it is my only thinking there. But I do tend to agree. It is much too early to write off Ferrari. But, Spencer, you've segmented me perfectly by mentioning that for once you actually think Jashan is right. Hey. Because, talking about the aforementioned George Russell, he has, so far this season, continued his streak of being the only man to finish every race inside the top five. Quite um, pleasantly, he has finished fourth, fifth, third, fourth, fifth, third, getting a nice pattern going. So two podiums, six top fives. That has left him fourth place in the standings on 74 points. So, Spencer, I put to you, yeah, nah, or nah, yeah, George Russell being overrated and or a choker is the worst take that Jashan has had in the history of this podcast. (laughs) I mean, yeah, nah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, (laughs) what's he said? Thank you. There's a very clear take that I've said that is much, much worse. Like fair income, are we like are we just forgetting every single fucking position that he bottled <laughs> for the last two seasons before? Thank you, thank you. His Spencer. only podium before Mercedes, he got it driving one lap with wet shoes. Thank so, you, Spencer. In a fucking me. Williams. In a Williams. Yeah, he's right though. Think of all the positions he's bottled in that Williams. Yeah, again. In the pissing down rain in a session that had a car fucking aquaplane off the side in the exact same spot where a dude died two years prior. No one's saying the fucking bastard can't drive in the wet. He, his performances this year well. have been solid. They have been solid. I think people are looking far too into the Lewis issues to actually give a clear assessment on George. He's doing great, but... Until there's actual pressure, like there's no there's no pressure when you're just abiding by your strategy in first place, knowing that you're not going to win the race. Put him in a situation where there's 15 laps to go, there's no tire changes, and he's got some cars that are hunting him down. Then I'll change my tune on whether or not he's a choker or not, because he still hasn't got that that there, he still doesn't have that big dick moment in F1 yet. <laughs> And it's coming. Don't get me wrong. Like it is coming. I'd argue. I'd argue. argue Putting a Williams fucking P two in the wet and qualifying is pretty big dick. But maybe that's just me. Oh, I Um, I forgot. I must have uh, when I read through the FIA rules and regulations. I must have gone past the page where it says all points are scored on Saturday. (laughs) 
Oh no, I agree. I agree. It comes down to the race. But are you going to argue that qualifying performances don't matter at all? But like, they don't matter if you don't finish the doing race. Something in well, he did finish that race. He completed as many laps as everybody Nobody else. Nobody finished week. that race. So... No, you. If if we have to go through the archives for you to talk about how much of a shit show Spa was, and now you're going against that rhetoric to make your own point. Oh, and yeah, no, nah, no, nah, yeah. I'm not. I'm just saying. I don't. I think. I think you can still have a big dick moment if you put a Williams on pole and then crash. Out I tell on you what's one. a big dick moment. A big way. dick the, moment was the, the, ra the race. Season. The race. Because then no, but then in if, that theory, in mate, that theory, you, in you that can, fuck up. I'm talking. <laughs> You will respect my authority. Mate, I started the fucking hype train on Sergio Perez deserving a drive ref. You don't say I'm falling onto it. Because if you let me now have a chance. As you should know by now, only my opinion is correct. So ah, yes. Lovely. The world does revolve around me. Ah, clipped. You can have a big dick moment in qualifying. Instantly, instantly followed by an inverted penis moment in the race. But then but that the plays into your point that he's a choker because if he puts it on pole and then he bins it on the first lap, he chokes the situation. But I don't, I don't think he, he made did my it. I don't point. think he's done that. I don't think he, and I never thought he was a choker through the whole first time. That's my thing. And he didn't do that. All he did was have a big dick moment of putting it on that. We don't know what he would have done in the race. The race never took place. But I digress. Out of curiosity, Spencer. We all know what he would have done in the race. He wouldn't have scored points like he always did. All right. Well, well that'll nice, be nice, remains nice, to be nice, seen. Nice. We'll know that for sure. Because he also did score points beyond that. So I remember when he was in a point scoring position narrative. in front of Kimi Raikkonen, uh, and then he uh, proceeded to bin the car into the wall under safety car. Oh, I remember that very, that very was well. A, that was a good one. Shout out, shout out to the special club that includes George Russell and Jashan's favourite son, Zane Maloney, for hey, crashing on the safety. And Roman. Don't forget Grosjean. Don't you dare forget <laughs> about fucking true. Grosjean at back here. True, that's a, that's a good one. That's, that's, still, that's still the best of the best. He's, he's uh, goat here because he tried to blame someone that hit him. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ericsson hit us. Out of curiosity, Spencer, do you have an answer for what you think Jashan's worst take in the history of this show is if it's not the George Russell is overrated? It's hard because I don't know which ones are being lined with um, uh, Lawrence Stroll's money. That's the only <laughs> issue. It's, it's really hard to kind of like sift through the shit. That's fair. Just every, every positive thing he's ever said about Lawrence Stroll has been a pretty bad I thing. was going to say my worst take uh, has got to be when I predicted Aston Martin to finish third last season. I mean, that's, that's pretty unbeatable. Yeah, that's a fair shout. That's a fair shout. I'll... <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, that's pretty fair. <laughs> All right, uh, I will move on to the last one, which I am going to throw at both of you. So whoever wants to jump in first, do so. Uh, so we've continued to see that Daniel Ricciardo has struggled just immensely this season. He out-qualified Lando, who had fucking tonsillitis this weekend. But come race day, he scored no points. Lando Norris couldn't even fucking talk to his engineer on the radio after the race, but he was able to battle his way into a points-paying finish. Uh, Zach Brown has come out and actually said that basically aside from uh, Monza last year and a couple of other results scattered here and there, it's not been, it's been below their expectations and probably Daniel's expectations yep. as well. But the team boss has literally said, we've been disappointed with how he's driven. So my question to both of you, yeah, nah, or nah, yeah, Daniel Ricciardo will be gone from Formula One before his contract expires at the end of nah, next yeah. season. He's gone straight in for it. Nah, yeah. I mean, it's... 
you going to elaborate any further or? It's just sad. Okay, this is what, and the thing that gets me the most, like, I haven't, I didn't watch Formula One during his glory days, so I, I understand that. I don't come from a position of expertise. But the thing that annoys me the most is the mentality and the interviews that he's giving. These are just, what he said about the race in Barcelona, what he said, this is a direct quote, where is it? It's one of those races where it was so slow, it almost sounds bad to say, but you hope that something was wrong. You hope that we find something that's like, oh, that's why, as it's more concerning if we don't. This guy is saying publicly that he hopes things are wrong with the car to explain how fucking slow he's driving. He was a second slower than his direct competition. He was overtaken by former teammate Esteban Ocon and current teammate Lando Norris. There was a time when we were using Danny Rick versus Esteban Ocon as a scenario to you know argue that Ocon shouldn't be in the sport. And at this point, Ocon is taking what is inarguably a worse car and dicking Daniel Ricciardo down. It's embarrassing. It's literally embarrassing. Norris had high fevers, body pains. Like you said, he couldn't. He literally couldn't. He, he could not talk to his engineer because of this tonsillitis. He might not race in Monaco. There's rumors that Piastri might well be making his debut this weekend. We shall see. Like, well, we know who I'm predicting to win. At the what race. point do McLaren just cut their losses and rip up his contract? At the end of the season, probably. That's my that's my take at this point, because it's just fucking sad, man. It's just sad. I Yeah, I, I'll go on another tangent. If I start on any Daniel Ricciardo-related, um, any rants, it's... Yeah, man, it's fucking pretty rough, what's happened to him. He's, he's just a little fucking... He's just a bitch boy now. He's just there because people know who Daniel Ricciardo is because he used to be really good and he's charismatic and he's good looking. But the mm. moment that they can find anybody, and I mean anybody, who can drive that car better than him, like, and it's bad for Lando's development, mm -hmm. ultimately, because not that Lando hasn't been driving well, but you want someone who's able to push you. And Carlos has Carlos pushed Lando a lot harder. And it's, again, one of those things where maybe it's like the, the right fit or something like that. Like, I don't know. But I think that Ricardo's got this idea that because he left Red Bull thinking he was the number one driver, he's just assumed that he's got this level of talent above anybody else, which is just isn't there anymore. I can't. It's, it's tragic. Yeah. It's really tragic. Yeah. And it's at the point now where like you can't even say like, oh, maybe he'll turn it around. Like, no, this is just him now. Mm. Yeah, I, we keep waiting for that moment. I mean, Monza was supposed to be that moment where he turned it around. But then it just got worse, and it's been terrible this season. I mean, Monza's just a track where you don't have to brake, and they had a really fast car yeah. last year. Yeah. And Verstappen and Hamilton um, tried to have car-based intercourse. <laughs> car-based intercourse. Ooh. That could be the title of the podcast. That's good. I like that. Aw, I want the title of the podcast to be It's Not Easy Under Albanese. <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe. It's not easy. Oh, um, right. I will just say, I think I am tentatively a yeah, nah, but that's only because I think McLaren maybe would want to try and avoid the drama of tearing up his contract early, but I don't think he survives beyond this contract. Certainly not at McLaren. Could he? I could see him popping up in like Aston Martin 
Um, maybe. You know, like the bottom, so the bottom four teams in the lower thing, maybe not even Alfa Romeo right now. Like I could see him popping up at Williams, Aston Martin, maybe Haas. Okay. If someone wants to throw him a lifeline, but like, to be honest, yeah, no, I think the end of, after this contract, he might just be done. I think he'll be done at the end of the season. Does he really want to race? Does he really, does he really, really want to, like, I know he loves it, but does he really want to go back and that and, you know, do what the likes of Vettel and that have done and run around in a full-on backmarker team? And if not, well, I don't think I don't think anyone in the midfield to hire is going to be offering him a contract. But I do kind of think he will make it to the end of the deal. But at the same time, if it's going to be any time, it will be at the end of this season. If he gets, if he makes it to the start of next season, he'll be there for the whole year. I don't think they're going to kick him yeah, out mid-season. Fair. But yeah, there's a decent chance his contract will get torn up. Very decent. This off-season. Now, <sighs> beyond those things, is there any other talking points uh, from the race that you feel we have not yet uh, addressed. I'll start with you. Jashan. You both predicted Carlos Sainz to get a podium in Spain, and quite frankly, a podium after after um after qualifying, a podium was the minimum for Carlos Sainz. Um, at what point do we say he's underwhelming? He's. I mean, Russell's outscoring him. Um, Checo is considerably outscoring him, and we all thought that Sainz was. You know, you guys thought he was a he was arguably the number one driver coming into this season ahead of Charles Leclerc. That's been proven to be completely yeah, false. Oh yeah. See, yeah, the tricky thing for me is that George... I mean, obviously he made his mistake. It's that George beat him. I'm not so bothered. Hamilton beat him too. By... If it weren't for that water leak, Hamilton would have beat him in, oh, beaten him com- comfortably. Yeah, that's a fair shout too, and that's actually also equally alarming. Yes, that's a fair point. Is that Because I'm not all that bothered by... Uh, the Perez beating him kind of thing. I think the way things go on race, like, it's the case of you would say he's in, you know, the joint best car. It, like, obviously qualifying third, you'd like him to podium, but it's he shouldn't be finishing... Yeah. He shouldn't be finishing any lower than P4 unless he has mitigating circumstances that are not directly his mm-hmm. fault. Now, he did finish P4... But he's a. It's the kind of one where you're like he's very obviously P five if his teammate's engine doesn't go. He's, so he was beaten by Russell, and as you said, he was very briefly beaten by Hamilton until that little issue at the end when he was able to get back past Hamilton. He didn't even fight Hamilton. He didn't P4. look vaguely competitive. And I know there was a bunch of tie attempt situations at play. Yeah, and that could very well be part of the situation. But it's it's a while. I'm not going to lambast him too much in isolation too much for the spin because literally like three laps later we saw the reigning world champion do the same yeah. thing and just well not quite well, catch it so it wasn't a severe obviously spin. i don't i'm not an expert but is that but luck like, or is that verstappen controlling it a little bit better oh oh i admit i make sure thing but like that's thing verstappen is a free but even then there's always an element of luck yeah. involved um but yeah yeah it's it's not just at this point as much as I'd love to deny it, it's not just isolation. Not all of them has been his fault and that, but this is what the third time he's been in a gravel trap this season yeah. on race day, and twice it's taken. He was lucky that this time he didn't end up going the Yuri Vips route from F two, considering he fully rotated mm-hmm. the car. He's very lucky it didn't come to a standstill because then he would have been beached in the gravel, and that would have been the third time this season. The Carlos Sainz's weekend ended in a gravel trap. 
It's yeah, I was, that's it. As someone who I say it, Carlos Sainz is my favorite driver on the grid. It's fucking, it's dis, it's really disappointing. It's genuinely bumming me out that I had such high hopes for what he could do this season, and so far, yeah, it's just not coming. And like this, above all else, this was the weekend that I'd ho- was hoping that you know something would happen, that you know the stars would align, home Grand Prix. And if you get that one thing, I, I, even if thing, even if it's only the only race he wins for his whole career, I just want him to get that monkey off his back and have that race win, so that he can say he's a Grand Prix race winner, and that he doesn't end up, you know, bowing out of the sport in another five, six years' time with that awkward moniker of being one of the most capped drivers to never win a Grand Prix. I believe I can make Matt's point for him as well. Um, the issue with Carlos is. A few targeted incidents that have robbed him of his confidence. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I would say that Carlos really fucked up on Sunday slash Monday was the start. The start was bad. He's in he's in best he's in the best position there. Like that is like you're looking at that on the run to turn one. Mm. You've got the slipstream of your teammate, you've got the inside line, like Ferrari already chalking up a one-two. Mm-hmm. It's those little moments like that that he just can't—he just can't get done right now. And you cannot—you cannot get swamped like he did off the start when you're in the the best position for that racetrack. Like obviously you want to be pole, but if you're not pole, you want to be in third, taking the inside line, slipstreaming the fastest car in the grid, in which is also the car that you're sitting in. And then the spins that he's had and like the, the times that he's binned it, and that's, this was happening last year as well in practice and in qualifying. He just, it's that what Matt said, it's like getting that monkey off his back. Like until he gets that win or until he strings together a bunch of performances or weekends where he can't look back at anything he did that really cost him more points. He's still going to be like driving around with this like, yeah, with this like shadow almost chasing him. Because I still think that he can he can definitely get a race win this year. Like, you'd be stupid not to think that he couldn't. But it's going to be a big thing where if he gets to the end of the season without a race win and Charles keeps going the way that he does, like, it's not going to be good for his confidence moving forward. And it's not like Ferrari are devoid of young drivers who are nipping at the heels of that number two spot. Mm-hmm. Because, again, Charles has been great so far to start well, the season. you say that. But you need, you need Carlos there in those situations where Charles's car does blow up and doesn't get to finish the race. Like, that should be where you're cashing in 15 points. At the very least, you're on the podium with Red Bull. And that's what should have happened had he have not completely cooked his start. And that just ruined, their, like, that ruined the race from there. And then he has that other little spin. And from that point, you just, like, you're not even playing catch-up. Like, you're just, that's just damage limitation. Mm-hmm. And for a team that three weeks ago looked firmly in control of their own destiny, now all of a sudden, Red Bull have got a pretty handy lead on them in the constructors. And again, one race can change that. We all know that. But it's, 26 points. it's just like the Red, it's not like the Red Bull have had a clean, like, have had smooth sailing this year. No. Like, they've been dealing with their own lumps. And, Sergio has done a much better job of that damage limitation than what Carlos has up to this point. 
Yep, 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 yep. What do you guys... But uh, if it is going to be raining at Monaco, Carlos is a very fucking handy driver. Like, this is his chance to really, really show why he deserved that Ferrari seat. But fair call, will either of you be tipping him to get a podium here? I'd have to, uh, I'd have to see. I just, I don't know. Like, it's, like... Podium, maybe. Yeah. Not the win. I'm going to probably go back to my reverse psychology. <laughs> yeah, you got to switch it up. My, my, my one biggest concern is, because to me, I think the easiest way for him to get back his confidence is to put it on pole. Because I think mm-hmm. a ball and anything else and that... I just, he's not faster than Leclerc. You can, you can, some, like, even when you're a bit down in yourself, you're, if you're a talented Formula 1 driver, you can put it together for 20 straight corners and pull out a brilliant mm-hmm. lap. My concern is that I don't know the breakdown of their qualifying battle, but I feel like Leclerc's probably got a comfortable that because we're not seeing it this season because I think he's down on his down as Spencer said down is like in a bit of a rut. When they're both operating at their best level, I think I genuinely think you're for the large part you're splitting hairs in terms of racecraft and ability to put together an entire race between Science and Leclerc. But I just think I'd back Leclerc in to put one absolute stonking yep. lap in. And that's the issue, is that whenever Sainz has done a decent lap, Leclerc just finds a way to surpass oh, yeah. it. And that means it's gonna be it's a re, it's gonna be it will he'll get it. He will get it. He I don't he will not be in the slump forever. I don't think anyone you know We said that you, about Ricardo last season. It's, yeah, Ricardo. I think Ricardo's a different one. Ricardo, and I'd argue that Ricardo wasn't. He fucking won a Grand Prix. The difference is that his machinery. He's straight up struck. Like I don't think Ricardo's is a confidence issue. He has not got his head around the machinery. I think for Carlos, it's more of a confidence. Like if Carlos fucking accidentally stumbles into a Monza race win, I think that'd be that, that'd be problem fixed. Carlos Sainz would be like, "Oh yeah, I'm a Grand Prix winning talent, talent of driver." Here we go. And he'd end up, you know, closing out the season with one or two more wins. Certainly a bunch of podiums and finishes you'd actually expect him to get. That's the difference there. But he's got something's got to happen. He's got to just have something where the wind falls into his lap in one of those weirder races or, yeah, you know, like pulling a stonking lap to put it on pole. And it's and, yeah, and it's, it's that just... thing where if, if he nails the start and he's running in seconds and he doesn't have that spin... And then Charles's engine blows up. He does get that win, right? Like it's not yeah. that far away. Like if you like, if you like, compartmentalize all the bad races that he's had, you go like, oh, like. But the thing that makes Carlos so great is his consistency. Like up until this season, his consistency was second to none. Like he was there to clean up the second place in Monza when Gasly got the win. Like he finished second last year in Monaco when all that fuckery happened with Bottas's fucking wheel nut. Like that's, and I think that maybe just for him at the moment, that's maybe where he's his head sitting. Like he's always that guy that's always there, yeah. and he's just had a couple of like he's just had a, and that's it. Like we say a shit start to the season, he's still fifth in the drivers' standing, so it's not oh, yeah. all doom and gloom. But yeah, I think he does need like Matt said, he needs one weekend where. He bangs like he absolutely bangs out a qualifying lap that Charles just can't touch. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it happening. And who knows? Like... There could be some fuckery in Ferrari where Charles is getting better machinery. You just don't know. Like you, you never. But truly last season know. they were giving the better machinery to Carlos. That was the rumor, anyway. I mean, not not confirmed because they saw him as the more consistent, more capable driver in terms of giving them feedback, in terms of improving their yeah. vehicle. So if, if he's getting and now the that support, they've got the car ready. 
Yeah, perchance, perchance. Leclerc is the chosen one. That's, he's done. He's done all the hard yards to set it up for Charles to win the world. He got the big contract, and um, he's, I will just quite say, quite frankly, he's been bad. Well, not necessarily just bad, but he's been worse since he signed that deal. Oh yeah, well that's another classic thing. You always see driver. Everyone, all athletes perform better in a contract oh, yeah. year. That is a classic. I'd be disappointed if that's what it is. But it's a classic thing. You sign the big contract and then you just coast for the rest of it because you're like, well, I got fucking paid. Uh, the one thing I will say is Spencer made that comment about Ferrari's plenty of young drivers around. Um, I don't think there's any pressure for on Carlos in terms of losing that seat, to, at least to someone in the Ferrari pipeline for at least the next couple of seasons. The only person above the level of... Well, I see... The only people, yeah, I think, the only two people you have above the level of F two or higher is Mick Schumacher, and I think even I would agree right now. Um, Mick Schumacher is not done enough to be saying, "Oh yeah, let's put him in the Ferrari." Uh, the only other man higher than F three in terms of the motorsporting pipeline is Robert Schwartzman, who is honestly, I have no idea exactly what he's doing in terms of what he's driving this season. He's, I think he's, he's their reserve. I think he's, no, he's their but, test driver. I don't think he's officially their reserve, but yeah. Test driver. I don't know what actual competitive motorsporting he's doing, but yeah, he's obviously F two graduate, but he's not currently racing that. The next they have is Ollie Berman and Arthur Leclerc in F three. Neither of them are anywhere near Bring polished, back and they have a few Gio. other drivers around that I do not what level they have. Honestly, <laughs> bring back Gio. Passed him out of nowhere. Right? There's no, yeah, I don't think they'll change anything. Um, they're set for oh, a while, yeah. but, but yes, he needs yeah. to do something to turn flip it around. around. Flip it around uh, like Red Bull flipped oh. around their two drivers over in Spain. Huh? Huh? Do you like that? Do you like that juicy segue? Nice. That was that was a that was a that was a good segue. That's I don't know if you want like, do you want to talk about the the Red Bull team order situation or is there anything else you fellas want to touch on Spain wise? Oh, I mean, I certainly think we should be talking about the Red Bull team order mm-hmm. situation. Okay. Well, let me set it up for you so you can knock them down. Um, <clears throat> later on in the race in Catalonia, Sergio Perez was leading and Max Verstappen was catching up to him. Different strategies. Max was on fresher tyres with an extra stop there. Perez was doing his classic thing of running long, uh, I think on the two-stop at that point. And Perez was asked to give up the lead to Max Verstappen, which he did, albeit reluctantly. I think the quote was, that is very unfair, is what uh, Sergio Perez said. And this has led to Christian Horner talking about, you know, it was a difference in strategy. There's no point in, in blowing this up further than it needs to be. We're going to have an internal talk about it. He, you know, insisting that he sympathized with Checo, etc., etc. All this fun stuff. And Sergio Perez coming out and saying that, yes, he expects to have a chat about team orders in the coming days. Do you reckon that there's a little bit of anger coming out from Sergio Perez about being the bona fide number two driver? A little bit of jealousy, even. Oh. Absolutely. Uh, one thing should also be said, earlier in the race, when Perez was catching up to a Verstappen that was still stuck behind Russell on mm-hmm. newer tyres, he requested to be allowed to pass Max so that he could have a crack mm-hmm. at Russell and see how quickly he could get by him. And it should also be noted, after Verstappen finally got past Russell, it only took Perez a further two laps to make that mm-hmm. overtake himself. And the team sort of told him, no, well, I don't know whether they didn't they, 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 like forbid him from passing Max, but they certainly... 
well, I, you'd have to get past Max the old-fashioned way. They weren't going to ask Max to let Perez buy to have a crack at Russell. Yeah. So that is part. That's a, another second factor. I think that was the biggest factor possibly for Perez. He asked to have a part to go by when he was the faster car on the fresher tyres. They didn't let it. But then the second the roles were reversed, he was asked to step aside for Max. And I think this one is very, very simple. Like, on the one hand, it's race six of the uh, season. Bit ridiculous to be pulling out team orders when who knows what's going to happen. Max Verstappen could break his leg in Monaco, be out for the season, and all of a sudden, Perez is your only chance at winning the World Championship. But, realistically, it boils down to this, and I'll be interested, but I think Spencer will agree with me completely. It's Red Bull. Max Verstappen's the number one driver. It's, it's as simple as that. Max is the number one driver. They will never openly say it, but Max is the number one driver. This is Max's team. The, the, whole, the sole purpose of this team is to win the driver's title with Max Verstappen. That is what they exist for. Which means when Max is in front, you will either tell them to hold uh, hold steady or will let the boys race. And if Max is behind, it's, can you please let him buy Sergio? It's as simple as that. Does Perez have a right to be angry, Spencer? Uh, like he, he does, I think, to a certain degree. But like you'd... Like, you'd rather have one pissed-off driver than two. And you've got a higher chance of having two pissed-off drivers if they both crash into each other and you get no points. And ultimately, like, you can, yeah, like, you can make the case that, you know, oh, like, Sergio, you know, like, he asked to go past, he was on faster tyres, yeah, yeah, yeah. But ultimately, what Red Bull are thinking of is how many points can we take from this weekend as a team? And it makes more sense to, and particularly as well, like, Sergio was on a different strategy and they wanted to see how long he could make that set of tyres go. And ultimately, yeah, like it's Max's team. Like he's got the number one on his car for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like unfortunately for Perez, like that, like that time has come and gone. Like he's not, he wasn't brought in there to win the championship. He was there to help them win the championship. And there's going to be some races where Max has a shit run of luck and he gets a victory and that's going to be good for him. But I think, and it's just like all these drivers are just fucking strung tight when they're actually on the radio and they just, that's just how they are. Like they, and I don't think it's going to be Sergio being angry about it because Sergio has been like the best teammate, like the last like year and what has it been? Seven races. Like he lets Max go through in, um, in France and he's telling them, you know, like, let's go get them. And Perez did a mega job holding back fucking... And even, like, when when Max went past, like, he said he thank did. you. He did, I liked that. That was good as well. So, and it's just, yeah, like, ultimately, like, yeah, could it have been a scenario where Checo gets out in front, he overtakes Max, or he gets let past by Max, then overtakes George, and then Max overtakes George the next few laps later? Like, yeah, there's a possibility of that. But there's also a chance that some fuckery happens, and him and George Tangle, and then all of a sudden Max is built into it. And the last point is Max is a fucking crazy car behind <laughs> the wheel, and you have to give him space, like, because you just don't know what he's going to do. And Red Bull is smart with that. Like, he's what makes him great is also one of his biggest downfalls, which is he doesn't know, he doesn't know where he should or should have put his car. Mm. Goddamn. Strong words. This was Max's 24th win, which actually oh, gives shit. him more than his girlfriend's dad. Uh, shout out to Nelson Piquet. Um, well, we all know who she'll be calling daddy from now on. Yo! 
Ow. <laughs> well, she's got a thing for race car drivers. I wonder where that stems from, love. It was also the end of Hamilton's five consecutive race wins in Catalonia. And I think this is worth noting, this was Checo's third P2 finish of the season, which is as many as he has scored in the rest of his career combined. So, you know, you can't make the argument that Checo's been disappointing. He's been fucking fantastic so far this season for Red Bull. And I'm sure they'll all figure it out and be friends again. Anything else we want to touch on, Spain-wise, boys? No, I think we've Matt, v- very much done it. I asked the questions here, mate. Fuck yeah, bro. Yeah, that's why, that's why I threw to you, so you can uh, take the reins. But, uh, I, don't um, I, like don't, the I don't think so, are. I don't think. Um, uh, I will give you the floor, because I know you like it. Did you particularly want to have a little rant about Mick Schumacher again, or have we heard that enough times this season? <laughs> no, I'm good, man. I'm good. He's not good enough to be in the sport. We all know how I feel. Fair enough. <laughs> I think you overestimate how big of a Mick Schumacher fan I am. Maybe, maybe. I'm not. Uh, look, I'm not doing this purely to piss you off. There is an element of that, obviously. But I mean, it, yeah, he needs to. He needs to flex up a little bit at some point. Good to see him get into Q3 for the first time, though. That was good. He's showing some pace. But yeah. Let's get some points, boys. Let's get some points. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, in which case, let's move on to Monaco, where Spencer has reliably informed us that apparently it's looking like rain this weekend. The Monaco uh, it does. Sunday is predicted for a 84% chance of rain Ooh. at midday. 71% chance of rain at about 3 PM. Source. Um, it'll probably be bone dry, let's be real. Uh, considering that all the other forecasts, except for the Monday, are for dry weather. Land uh, stroll podium, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, but the issue is, it's going to be a dry qualifying session where Lance qualifies 18th. Oh, so... Shit. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, what do we expect? Obviously, let's be real. None of us are expecting sudden, crazy good racing here in Monaco because of these new regulations. It's more a base of, as it always is, it's almost like a weird showcase of who has the best high downforce car to get pole. And then barring uh, running into a wall, mechanicals, or pit shenanigans, that's who will win the race. So, I mean, are either of you expecting anything different in terms of the overall flow and feel of the weekend than what I've just said there? All right, let's I'm move straight on to predictions. An I did. I did see That's one fair. fun <laughs> fact about this weekend. Actually, it's that if Sebastian Vettel finishes Monaco, he finishes in the top five in his entire oh, really? career. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He came top five. I hope, that was fun. That was. Fun. I hope he intentionally drives into the wall on the last lap if he's not running in the top five. Mate, with how the Aston Martin's been running this year, sorry, sorry, the green ball, I don't think that's going to be within his control. Oh, mate, they, he, he drove from like 17th to 11th on, on, in Spain. He went, he went fine. Sebi Vettel's got a little bit of talent still left in that pod. I'm sure that he'll look at that race fondly at the end of the year when he tops the Aramco top overtakes of the season with 18 points. Mm. No, no, Alonso has, has got that in the bag. He passed 11 people. Fucking ridiculous. And scored points. Fucking ridiculous. Mate. Yeah, and scored mate, points. Mate, mate. But see, what if, what if this is Hamilton's new tactic? He's going to drop to the back of the field every race. So he <laughs> gets all the overtakes. 
and just win some kind of trophy. Um, Genius. Monaco, preview, predictions, Spencer. What do you got for me? Fuck. Um, Well, if we're going... Where's fuck finishing? If we're going high downforce, um, I mean, it's going to be vanilla, but fucking... Max first, Checo second, and Hamilton third, I think is going to be the podium. Oh. Oh. I'm, I'm basing this okay. off that it's going to be wet. wet. So I think that that okay. will give Hamilton a slight advantage. And those are the two teams that I trust the most, particularly with the pit stops as well, which are probably the most crucial mm-hmm. in this race out of any other and I don't know, man, until Charles actually finishes the race in Monaco, I'm not tipping him. And until Charles hey. can just shake this bug, I'm not tipping him either. Yeah. Hey, we, we saw what happened with the Mercedes pit stops last year in Monaco, just saying. <coughs> yeah, but they're nice and slippery this year. Well, they will be. <laughs> yeah, those nuts will be uh, slippery. All right. Jashan. Yeah, man. Uh, so, fun little tidbit here. Um. Apparently, the C42, the Alfa Romeo car, is very, very, very good in slow-speed corners, which is essentially what Monaco is. That's a two-battery Bottas to win the race. No, no. God, I'm I'm tipping Leclerc, Hamilton, Bottas. That's what I'm tipping right there. We're going to see a Bottas podium in Monaco, boys. Mark my words. He's he's a good qualifier, Valtteri. He's a good fucking qualifier. That's a fair fair, fair shout, actually. Uh-huh. For starters, um, George Russell will finish fourth. Okay. Obviously. Yep. Well, yep. it's yep, the, the start of the cycle. Yep. He's finishing fourth. Yep. I'm going to go with Charles for the win. I'm gonna I'm gonna back in the manifesting of that. Uh, Charles to win ahead of Hamilton, and then I would like you to put in signs in brackets. Piastri. What? It's signs unless Piastri actually races this weekend, in which case I'm going Oscar Piastri to finish P3. You'll predict... Okay. Okay. I legitimately think if Piastri races, Piastri will score points. I'm I'm willing to, like, put down that. But I'm going to say he gets a podium. (laughs) Ah, That's some BDE right there. As long as as he gets to start the weekend at the start... If he comes in... If he's only rushed in like Hulkenberg on the Saturday... I think he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. But if they make the call tomorrow that Lando isn't racing and he gets to do the full weekend, I'm going to go Piastri for a podium because I reckon he can put it top five and qualifying. Fuck yeah. Love to see it. And send Daniel Ricciardo deeper and deeper into this depression he's in. Oh, mate, if, if Piastri podiums, I just, uh, Lando just <laughs> takes Daniel's car when he comes back. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, <laughs> uh. Any other fun little bold ones there, Spence, Matt? Any uh, little, little tidbits for Monaco? I don't really. Eight <laughs> cars finish. Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go off. I'm gonna jump off that. You'll probably be like, I oh, know this is ridiculous, but I'm gonna jump off that. Spencer's only got eight cars finishing, and I'm just gonna go with. He will be in eighth. He'll probably be thirty-five seconds off the guy in seventh. But Mick will be one of the eight cars, so oh, Mick will God. score points. No, fuck I that. Do- Nicholas no, Latifi no. scoring no. points in Monaco. Oh, oh no, Book but it. you've got to understand. You've got to understand. Latifi's finishing seventh. Like, 
Like, you've oh, got to, right. Like, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got to understand. I'm giving you, this is the ultimate way for Mick to get his first points. He will get his first points by literal default of being the slowest car out there, but not running into any walls and finishing eighth of eight Dude. cars like a lap off the pace. No one is slower than Nicholas Satishi. Come on. That is where you're so very, very wrong. Because Robert Kibitza would have been slower than Nicholas Latifi. <laughs> Dude. Harsh he was. Robert he, he just kind of was. Obviously, this is post-injury Robert Kibitza. Yeah, yeah, Pre-injury yeah. Robert Kibitza is the top two Formula 1 drivers of all time, so... He's in that Valtteri, is it that midfield Valtteri Bottas conversation? Oh, he he exceeds midfield Valtteri Bottas, mate. Wow. Robert Kubica was going to do some deadly things in that Ferrari before he killed it. Well, killed himself is a bit dramatic. Uh, before yeah, he dramatic. severely maimed himself. Fucking hell, mate. Love a good maiming. Ah, <sighs> you beauty. Love a good maiming. Do you have any bold predictions? Yeah, I told you, Nicholas Latifi is going to score points. Oh, true. He's either going to score points or he's going to be responsible for about five retirements. Actually, you know what? That'd be nice. If they both scored points and we could get away, how cool would it be if seven rounds in and we had all 20 drivers having scored points? That would be cool. 21 when Piastri does as well. And then it'll just be that one race of Hulkenberg that will be really sad because the Aston Martin was so bad that he was never going to be able to do it unless there was exceptional circumstances in his two races, and he didn't get those. But he'll score points when he comes back to feeling (laughs) later on in the year. Every single driver, even the subs, score points. Like, Kibitza will come in for Alfa Romeo at some point and score a point, but Hulkenberg didn't score a point. Didn't score a point. Oh, that'd be fucking hilarious. Ah, uh, but alas, that is the end for the show. Though before we do go, I just want to uh, go on a massive tangent here. Have you guys seen the uh, scorecard from the Bangladesh Sri Lanka test from overnight? Oh yeah, uh, is it Mushfikir or something something? Lit the rundown of this scorecard is duck duck eight nine one hundred and seventy five not out duck one hundred and forty one duck fifteen duck duck six. Six ducks and two scores above 140, which has never happened before in the history of Test cricket. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. But also, the absolute peak of this, would you like to hear what this Test series is named? Yes, please. This is the Mr. White Detergent Power Test Series 2022, (laughs) powered by Walton. (laughs) Mr. White Detergent Power. We thought Grand Prix had good names. (laughs) it's fucking brilliant but yeah with that aside for another week i have been matt the first voice you're going to hear has been jashan it's an absolute pleasure today fellas thank you for joining me and i'm just not going to bother to give him an outro this week so let's end the show uh spencer has also been here he has had a hard day at work you know serving people with anti um sexual harassment claims or whatever the fuck they do in HR. He deserves his moment in the sun. Come on. Come on. Well, in that case, that case, it's Australia's favourite anti-sexual harassment claim handing out machine, Spencer Hudson. Get in there, Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And collectively... We can be found on Instagram and online hub media and on all good podcast players. And we are, of course, Rear of the Grid.
Paris is on a one-stop. <laughs>